I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. I bet you do. We all hope there are tapes. Hope they're not destroyed. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck From in the middle. Pacifica Radio with you. in Los Angeles. This and is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 92.9 FM WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. In Palinville, New York on 102.9 FM WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the intertubes on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker. And all around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for what will no doubt once again be another thrilling action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast. All right. Well, during just just less than three hours of widely and wildly anticipated public testimony at the U.S. Senate on Thursday, Fired FBI Director James Comey testified to the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee that he was, quote, confused and, quote, concerned when President Donald Trump told the public that he was firing him for undermining the morale of the agency that Comey had led since 2013. Comey described the reasons given for his dismissal last month in which President Trump charged that the bureau was in disarray under his leadership as a lie. And he went on to assert that the reasons by the Trump administration for his firing were, in fact, defamatory. And although the law required no reason at all to fire an FBI director, the administration then chose to defame me and, more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray, that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. And I am so sorry that the FBI workforce had to hear them, and I'm so sorry that the American people were told them. I worked every day at the FBI to help make that great organization better. And I say help because I did nothing alone at the FBI. There are no indispensable people at the FBI. The organization's great strength is that its values and abilities run deep and wide. James Comey also explained why he wrote memos contemporaneously after his various one-on-one meetings with the president chronicling those private conversations. He suggested that the uh, the reason was due to his, quote, gut feeling that this president might lie about the nature of those meetings 
at the time in at some time in the future. He said, I knew there might be a day when I needed a record of what happened, he said. He also said that while he didn't want to express an opinion on whether Trump was seeking to obstruct the ongoing investigation into alleged Russian meddling into last year's presidential election, he is sure that the special counsel Robert Mueller, who has now been appointed by the DOJ to take over the investigation, will be examining that. He said he is certain that he was fired in relation to the Bureau's investigation into that matter. Here's Senator Richard Burr, Republican from North Carolina and chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee, asking Comey if he believed the president's various one-on-one contacts with him before his firing, uh, and specifically Trump's alleged request to end the investigation of, by then, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, amounted to obstruction of justice by the president. Director, when the president requested that you, and I quote, let Flynn go, (coughs) General Flynn uh, had an unreported contact with the Russians, which is an offense. And if press accounts are right, there might have been discrepancies between facts and his FBI testimony. In your estimation, was General Flynn at that time in serious legal jeopardy? And in addition to that, do you sense that the president was trying to obstruct justice or just seek um, for a way for Mike Flynn to save face, given he had already been fired? General Flynn at that point in time was in legal jeopardy. There was an open FBI criminal investigation of his statements in connection with the Russian contacts and the contacts themselves. And so that was my assessment at the time. Uh, I don't think it's for me to say whether the conversation I had with the president was an effort to obstruct. I took it as a very disturbing thing, very concerning. But that's a conclusion I'm sure the special counsel will work towards to try and understand what the intention was there and whether that's an offense. Questioned about uh, Donald Trump's public statement via Twitter that James Comey had, quote, better hope that there are no tapes of our conversation. The former FBI director said that he certainly hopes there are such tapes. Here's Dianne Feinstein, Democrat of California and former chair of this uh, intelligence committee, asking Comey why, if Trump asked him to help shut down an investigation uh, that uh, tr- Comey felt was in- improper for him to be asked, why he was not more direct in responding to the president in explaining that that request was wholly inappropriate. I know the Oval Office, and I know uh, what happens to people when they walk in. There is a certain amount of intimidation. But why didn't you stop and say, Mr. President, this is wrong. I cannot discuss this with you. It's a great question. Maybe if I were stronger, I would have. I was so stunned by the conversation that I just took it in. And the only thing I could think to say, because I was playing in my mind, because I was going to remember every word he said, I was playing in my mind, what should my response be? And that's why I very carefully chose the words. And look, I, I've seen the tweet about tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. I, I remember saying, I agree he's a good guy, as a way of saying, I'm not agreeing with what you just asked me to do. Again, maybe other people would be stronger in that circumstance, but that, that was, uh, that's how I conducted myself. I hope I'll never have another opportunity. Maybe if I did it again, I would do it better. 
It was a rather riveting uh, two hours and 45 minutes or so of questions and answers from Comey uh, and members of the committee, uh, though it ended with a bizarre exchange between Republican Senator John McCain and, and Comey in which McCain couldn't seem to understand the difference between the FBI's investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of a private email server that investigation ended in July of last year before being briefly reopened just days before the election. The difference between that and then the ongoing and still ongoing investigation into Team Trump's alleged coordination with Russia. Frankly, I got to say, it was as if John McCain had no idea what was going on and didn't really know the difference between these uh, these two investigations. Other than that, however, the, the questions were largely substantive and uh, Comey's answers appeared appeared in an event to be rather straightforward. As NBC News summarized the proceedings today, there have been only a few similar moments in history where a sitting president was exposed to such scathing congressional testimony from a uh, from a respected public servant. While Comey stated emphatically throughout the hearing that he had no doubt that Russia tried to influence the election, Trump was reportedly watching the hearings himself in the White House dining room with his legal teams uh, and close advisors, though he did not live tweet the hearings as some had reported he would beforehand. In fact, he remained silent on Twitter throughout, even if his son Donald Jr. did not. For Trump's part, his personal attorney, Mark Kasowitz, held a very short briefing at the National Press Club not long after the conclusion, conclusion of the hearing with Comey. To reiterate, once again, as he did yesterday following the publication of Comey's prepared statement, that the president feels completely vindicated by Comey's confirmation that he had, in fact, told Trump on several occasions that he was not personally being investigated. But Kasowitz also asserted that contrary to Comey's testimony, the president never, never, ever told Comey to end any investigation. The president never, in form or substance, directed or suggested that Mr. Comey stop investigating anyone, including the president never suggested that Mr. Comey, quote, let Flynn go, close quote. The president likewise never pressured Mr. Comey. That claim by Trump's personal lawyer uh, is in direct contradiction, of course, with Comey's characterization of the meeting, which might be one of the reasons Comey said he hopes that there are tapes uh, of these meetings that were made at the uh, at the Oval Office and uh, during his dinner in January, I guess this was, with the president, both one-on-one -on -one meetings, and that he hopes the White House will release them. Kasowitz also went on to charge that Comey lied about his release of a non-classified memo, charging that he, quote, leaked privilege information after his firing when he asked a friend to describe to the press the unclassified memos that Comey had created after those one-on-one -on -one meetings with Trump. Kasowitz also went on to say that at no time did he pressure Comey to do anything. That wording and that issue about pressure also came up during a Wednesday hearing in the U.S. Senate in that same Intelligence Committee during a testimony on all of this from the heads of the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, the Office of the uh, Director of National Intelligence, following reports that at least the heads of the NSA, Mike Rogers, and DNI, Dan Coats, 
had been asked by Trump as well to intercede in the FBI's investigation while Comey was still heading it. We're joined to get insight on that and, of course, all of Comey's testimony today from our friend Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net. She's an independent journalist who has been covering legal issues surrounding national security, civil liberties, and presidential politics for years. She's been a contributor to The Guardian, Salon, The Progressive, The Intercept, and others, and she's the author of Anatomy of Deceit, how the Bush administration used the media to sell the Iraq war and out a spy. That book was written as part of her insanely detailed coverage of the last major presidential scandal when the White House, in that case, George W. Bush's, uh, violated the law by outing the identity of a covert CIA operative and then lied about it. Well, Marcy Wheeler, welcome back to the broadcast. Great to be back. All right, I think the last time you were on with us uh, was also after Comey's testimony, if I recall correctly, to the at that time to the House Intelligence Committee when he revealed the existence of this FBI investigation that appears to have been the reason he was fired a couple weeks later. So uh, I guess you are now our Comey uh, testimony expert at this point, Marcy, whether you like it or not. Uh, <laughs> before we get in, though, to Comey, um, I, I want to hit what happened yesterday, and I want to let me ask you this broad question. I know you spent years, as I said, covering the Bush administration's scandals, uh, the you know the, the the revelation of the name of a covert CIA operative, uh, Valerie Plame, uh, the unprecedented U.S. attorney purge, and so forth. How would you compare the import and scope of what is going on right now with the Trump administration to those investigations that you covered during the Bush administration? Well, they're somewhat different in scope. Um, you know, the, the Bush administration ones were about un, unfettered unitary executive privilege and in, in, in mostly in the context of foreign policy. Trump has no foreign policy except to give the Saudis and the Israelis whatever he wants, whatever they want, right? Right. Um, and it's more about a very personalized abuse of power um, but then the foreign policy turns into whatever Russia wants because they happen by the nuts. So, um, it, you know, it, they're, they're different. And I think that to really grasp what potentially could be on the plate with Trump, particularly with the way uh, that Bob Mueller is kidding out his um, special counsel office because he's hiring people who know money laundering and know... Um, mobbed up businessmen, and, and that looks more like all of the things that might make Trump um, susceptible to Russian influence, his, his corrupt friends. Um, so the scale of that could be very vast and very personalized mm. about Trump on top of the election, on top of any coordination between Trump and, and um, Mike Flynn and others mm -hmm. with the Russians, Jared Kushner. Um, whereas, you know, Dick Cheney was just so much more effective at cover-ups and at abuse of power than Trump was, right? And there's the difference. He, he was. They they were better. The Bush administration was better at the cover-ups. It took years for it to come out, I guess, uh, as opposed to what's going on now. All right, before we get into details uh, on the Comey uh, testimony uh, today, I want to take a second to, to ask you about this testimony because I think it was rather extraordinary. From the um, also uh, at the uh, U.S. Intelligence, I'm sorry, the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, with the heads of the intel and, and law enforcement uh, uh, communities there, um, because I believe it plays directly into all of this. This is 
Uh, Senator Angus King, this was after nearly two hours into the hearing, uh, after, frankly, Republicans and Democrats alike were getting really frustrated with the fact that uh, these guys uh, continue to say they were never pressured by the or they never felt pressured by the Trump administration uh, to intercede in the FBI investigation. But. Uh, they would not talk about whether Trump had asked them at all to intercede. I want to play this uh, from Senator Angus King. He's an independent from Maine. He um, he caucuses with the Democrats. Uh, and, and, and frankly, he's normally anything but a hothead. Here's his questions. Uh, part of this uh, this back and forth with uh, first NSA chief Admiral uh, Michael Rogers and then DNI head. Uh, Dan Coates. This is from the hearing on Wednesday. Then I'll ask both of you the same question. Why are you not answering these questions? Is there an invocation by the President of the United States of executive privilege? Is there or not? Not that I'm aware of. Then why are you not answering our questions? Because I feel it is inappropriate, Senator. What you feel isn't relevant, Admiral. What's what, what you feel isn't the answer. The answer is why are you not answering the questions? Is it an invocation of executive privilege? If there is, then let's know about it. If there isn't, answer the questions. I stand by the comments I've made. I'm not interested in repeating myself, sir. And I don't mean that in a in a in a contentious way. Well, I do mean it in a contentious yes, way. I don't understand why you're not answering our questions. You can't when when you were when you were uh, confirmed. Before the Armed Services Committee, you took an oath. Do you solemnly swear to give the committee the truth, the full truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. You answered yes to that. And I've also answered that those conversations were classified, and it is not appropriate in an open forum to discuss those classified conversations. What is classified about a conversation involving whether or not you should intervene in the FBI investigation? Sir, I stand by my previous comments. Mr. Coates, same series of questions. What's the basis for your refusal to answer these questions today? Uh, the basis is the, what I've uh, previously explained. I do not believe it is appropriate for me to. What's the get basis? Into it. I'm not satisfied with. I do not believe it is appropriate, or I do not feel I should answer. I want to. Uh, I want to understand a legal basis. You swore that oath to tell us the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And today you are refusing to do so. What is the legal basis for your refusal to testify to this committee? I'm not sure I have a legal basis. Uh, that was amazing testimony, Marcy Wheeler, uh, and that was just a, a, a piece of it. Any idea uh, what DNI had uh, Dan Coates and NSA Chief uh, uh, Mike Rogers were thinking when they said they would not answer the Intelligence Committee's questions on whether they had spoken to uh, to Trump about this investigation? Is there any legal basis for that? No, there's not. You and I must be on the same page because I had just finished doing a post on precisely that exchange. And I compared it with um, Mark Kasowitz's response to Comey's testimony today. Um, Kasowitz released a statement that couldn't make it through the, the introduction without a typo. And then later on, he made these claims about the memos that Comey addressed in his testimony. He, you know, as you said, he kind of wrote everything down as soon mm-hmm. as he came out of a meeting with Trump because he knew he was being lied to. And um, with the exception of one of those, they were all unclassified. And so when Trump started tweeting out, oh, maybe there's tapes, then um, I think Comey felt uh, permitted, mm-hmm. um, felt fair to share one of the memos with, uh, with a Colombian professor, a friend of his, who then leaked it to the press. Not leaked it, shared it with the press. Right. Um, the, the word leak is being misused a lot today. But anyway, shared it with the press. And that's, 
how we first began to learn of these meetings with Trump. And so uh, Kasowitz is claiming that, that um, oh, Comey leaked privileged conversations. It's not privileged if you've already, if you already exposed it. If you've already right? talked you've, about it, right? Right. You've just waived the privilege. Now, that didn't happen with Rogers and Coates. Uh, Trump did not get out there and say, here's all of the people in mm-hmm. government that I've ordered to try and interfere with this FBI investigation. And, oh, by the way, you notice how we never talk about Pompeo in all of this? <laughs> like, he presumably would get the same order, but we're not hearing about it. On C- Pompeo, that's so. CIA director Mike Pompeo, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. If he, if Marcy, if he was asking these people to do something, uh, if Trump was asking, uh, you know, Dan Coats or Mike Rogers or Pompeo or anybody else to do something inappropriate like intercede in an FBI investigation, uh, is that, can one even say that that material would be privileged at all if he's asking about something that would be arguably in violation of the law as obstruction of justice? And moreover, I mean, it's not illegal. So in Comey's case, he's in the clear. It's not illegal. It might be unethical. Um, probably isn't. How can you be unethical when you're dealing with Donald Trump? In in the case of, of Rogers and Coates, I mean, it, you know, the other thing that, that your listeners should just understand, that the hearing yesterday was supposed to be about the, the dragnet, right? And so the way those those hearings work is they come in and they say, look at what honorable people these pe- these men running, always men, mm-hmm. these men running the dragnet are. Don't you feel better about the fact that, you know, we have all of your Gmails? But you don't, but regardless. And, so and uh, just, just, just to be clear, when you say dragnet, for people who don't know, what, what does that mean exactly? Well, it's Section 702. So it's the spying that can target a foreigner and suck up a bunch of American communications that they then backdoor search and can access that way. So gotcha. it's PRISM. It's PRISM, which is uh, going back to the Snowden leaks. But anyway, you know, we're, we're supposed to rely on these men to be trustworthy such that they can conduct this spying mm-hmm. uh, in a trustworthy fashion, and they gave these answers. They, You know, well, I'm not sure I have a legal basis. Are you kidding me? I'm not sure I have a legal basis. Well, then you can't, you got to tell the, you got to, you know, give the answers to your oversight committee. So it was pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Charlie Pierce over at Esquire said, I'm trying to imagine the reaction if Hillary Clinton told the Benghazi committee that a question was uh, too inappropriate for her to answer. Um, I got to take a quick break. We'll come back and and, and j- take a deep dive into Jim Comey and, and the specifics on that. But before we do, before we take that break, uh, Marcy, can you tell us why was... Uh, NSA Chief uh, Admiral uh, Mike Rogers there, who who you know was refusing to answer these questions. Do you have any idea why he was recommended to uh, be fired by the Obama administration uh, before Obama ended up uh, leaving office? I guess after the election and before Donald Trump was sworn in. Well, um, part of it is that he's a leaky sieve. I mean, you know, they're they're. Uh, even so, Rogers took over in the wake of the Snowden affair, and more and more and more things kept disappearing from the NSA. So, not only did he not fix the problems, there was a really scathing um, uh, IG report from August that basically said we're worried about people walking out with with entire servers. Right. Mm-hmm. So, a he didn't fix that problem. B this 702 reauthorization made it clear that there's really no control over the program. And so he's, he's not doing a very good job managing. Let's, 
Put it that way. Well, the, and the reason I'm asking is because you got these guys like Mike Rogers and Dan Coates who are supposed to be part of the intelligence community in some fashion. They're supposed to be at least somewhat independent from the White House. It seems like these guys are at this point after that hearing on Wednesday, it seems like they are all in basically part of the cover up, whatever it is, they're covering it up uh, for the White House. They seem like they feel very much beholden to Donald Trump. Is that the sense you got watching that hearing yesterday? Well, the, the really disturbing thing is, like, these guys are supposed to be in charge of our intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. So these guys are supposed to give us reassurances about being independent, mm-hmm. about having distance from the political people who, you know, want to order up a war, and right now it's Iran, right? Mm-hmm. And you get none of that when you when they refuse to answer questions based on some vague, the White House won't tell us whether we're allowed to answer your questions or not. But, you know, they, just because Donald Trump is president, it has not changed the rule that you have congressional overseers and you answer their questions. Let me take a quick break here. I'm speaking with Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net, and we'll dive uh, deeply into what, if anything, we learned from the uh, Comey testimony on Thursday and his prepared statement the day before. Don't go go anywhere. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. This is your FBI. Contrary to numerous false press accounts leading up to today's hearing, Mr. Comey has now finally confirmed publicly what he repeatedly told President Trump privately. That is, that the president was not under investigation as part of any probe into Russian interference. The president, he, Mr. Comey also admitted that there is no evidence that a single vote changed as a result of any Russian interference. Mr. Comey's testimony also makes clear that the president never sought to impede the investigation into attempted Russian interference in the 2016 election. That was Mark Kasowitz, Donald Trump's personal lawyer, responding to James Comey's much-anticipated uh, testimony in, uh, in the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee on Thursday. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Empty Wheels' Marcy Wheeler tweeted on Wednesday following the reports that now-fired FBI Director James Comey had asked Attorney General Jeff Sessions to make sure he was never alone with the president after previous one-on-one meetings in which uh, uh, Trump had demanded his loyalty and later asked him to end the investigation into uh, National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. She tweeted, Jim Comey, no doubt feeling like thousands of women before him, didn't want to be alone in a room with the Donald. Ouch. 
Marcy Wheeler is our guest today uh, to discuss Thursday's nearly three-hour-long hearing in the Senate Intelligence Committee, during which Comey described his belief that the White House lied about the reasons for his firing and confirmed that he was asked by Donald Trump to end at least the Flynn, Michael Flynn, part of the FBI's investigation. All right, so Marcy... um, I know there was a lot there, so let's just start broadly for the moment. Uh, what jumped out at you as a new information that we either learned today from Comey's uh, testimony or from his uh, prepared testimony released yesterday? Well, there were a couple of new gritty details, but one of the things we, we talked about the last time I was on mm-hmm. um, was a Comey hearing where he generally uh, revealed there was an investigation into Trump and his buddies. This time today, he revealed that um, he described some of what the investigation into Mike Flynn was and confirmed that Mike Flynn was in legal jeopardy at the time that Mm -hmm. Trump um, basically fired him to to end the investigation. Um, Interestingly, he implied, although it's not his investigation to make anymore, um, Kasowitz is cynical and parsing words and what have you, but, you know, he, he claimed that uh, Comey said that Trump wasn't under investigation. What Comey said was he wasn't under, under investigation in January or in March or in April when he had these conversations, but Comey made it very clear that he's already talked to Robert Mueller, who's now leading the special counsel investigation, mm-hmm. and that Robert, you know, that, that he, he sort of said, well, it's up to Robert Mueller to decide whether or not this is obstruction. But it's clear that Trump is now being investigated for obstruction. They are they are uh, assessing whether firing Jim Comey amounts to obstruction. So those are all big news items about the scope of the investigation. We got details in you know it was actually Comey is a, is brilliant at these at these hearings. He released this uh, written statement yesterday, which detailed all of these meetings mm-hmm. and um, how he took notes immediately afterwards and whom he shared them with and you know, what computer he, he took them on. And then today he gave an, a, an entirely different memorized opening statement um, that sort of apologized to the FBI and said goodbye to the FBI and accused Trump multiple times of being a liar, which is pretty, doesn't happen a lot in, in congressional testimony. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was going to ask, what, what do you make of um, the, the detailed, and it was rather dramatic, that written statement that was released yesterday, uh, detailing the, the February 7 uh, White House meeting in which, uh, according to Comey's testimony, he was asked to stay in his, after he, he had been asked previously several times uh, to stay on in his job, uh, suddenly... Uh, in February, the president is like, so uh, do you want to stay on in this in this job? Uh, so I'm wondering, he, he described that as, you know, trying to make his role as the FBI director a position of patronage uh, for Comey. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and, and your take on and your concern, frankly, about that loyalty dinner in January. Uh, as Trump reportedly asked for Trump's loyalty, which Kasowitz now says never happened. Uh, Do you feel that uh, both of those meetings were as nefarious as Comey seems to be describing it here? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we'll go back to the comparison with Coates and Rogers. They're not law enforcement officials, and Comey is. And Mm -hmm. and you can fault Comey for a lot of things, but 
he takes that seriously. He does take the notion of independence from politics seriously, regardless of whether you believe that or not. Um, and so, you know, Coates and Rogers may say, well, we didn't feel any real pressure, but Comey's going to see something like that and see it in an entirely different light, especially the emptying everyone out of the room. Mm-hmm. You described the detail. It was remarkable where he, you know, he describes everyone emptying out until it's just Sessions, Kushner, and the president, and Sessions kind of wanders out, and then, you know, Trump tells Kushner, and, and that, uh, that detail I love, because I think Kushner's the one on the plate here. You know, he's the one who was talking to the mobbed-up uh, FSB banker. So, you know, those details, that is the kind of thing that's going to set Comey off, that kind of selection of, of separating him out like that. So, um, and, and it, is, it is nefarious. I mean, because there is no... I mean, he described... He kept going back. You know, now he's worked in three successive administrations, and the comparisons he made, that he had only ever been in conversations, one-on-one conversations with, with Obama twice, mm-hmm. um, that he didn't feel the need. I mean, so uh, the last most spectacular testimony we've had in the Senate was Jim Comey himself 10 years ago talking about Stellar Wind, the illegal wiretap program, and this incredibly dramatic meeting uh, with the president, he didn't take notes. But he goes into a meeting now with Trump, and he takes notes on every single one of them. And that, 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 those kinds of comparisons, which he's able to make, I think are really, are really telling. He does have a flair for dramatic congressional testimony, doesn't he? <laughs> he should move out to, to move out to where you are and start doing movies. Yeah, so he's well, yeah, well, he's he's looking for a job. As a matter of fact, he was just around the corner when he was fired uh, last month uh, from us out here in Hollywood. Uh, here was Mark Kasowitz. Uh, saying once again that he was never uh, that Trump never asked uh, Jim Comey for his loyalty in this uh, so-called loyalty dinner back in January. The president also never told Mr. Comey, quote, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty, close quote. He never said it in form and he never said it in substance. Of course, the office of the president is entitled to expect loyalty from those who are serving the administration. Marcy, what is Kasowitz's game there? The the issue of those tapes came up again. Comey said that if there are tapes, if the uh, meetings in the Oval Office and at dinner were somehow recorded, he said, I hope they get released. Uh, Any, well, what's Kasowitz uh, trying to get away with there? Is Comey just lying and frankly, are there tapes? Is that just was that just bluster from Trump on uh, on Twitter? And at this point, if there are tapes, is there any possible way they don't ultimately get released as part of this affair? Um, if there are tapes, I don't think they help Trump. And one of the things to remember with Kasowitz is he is Trump's personal lawyer. He's not even the White House counsel lawyer. Mm-hmm. We're not paying his bills. God knows whether Trump will actually pay his bills. Remember. Trump had to go with Kasowitz, who's totally inappropriate for this function, because all the really good lawyers thought <laughs> Trump wouldn't pay them. Right. So, so he's going with this guy who can't even spell one sentence correctly. And um, but the but the thing is, he is probably it's he, it's a lot harder to call him to testify before Congress, so he can say whatever he wants. I mean, it's basically a press release. It's not a. It's not a legally binding document. It's not a governmental document. And so he can just make stuff up. Kasowitz can. You're you're saying that he can make stuff up. 
but right, it, and he but, works for a guy who makes stuff up all the time. And so that, I think, you know, yeah, I'm a partisan, but that's got to be the default because Comey, whatever else you think about him, has a track record. And Comey sat down right away and wrote stuff down. And, you know, Trump mentioned the tapes, and we haven't seen the tapes. And, um, and, and I, you know, I, I think that they're just throwing anything at the wall to try and, you know, attack Comey. A number of people have pointed out, this doesn't help them with the investigation at all, right? It doesn't, nothing that happened um, in the pushback to Comey does anything to undermine the legitimacy of Robert Mueller's investigation. And, that, you know, I think there were new questions raised by Kamala Harris, among others, about the scope of, of Jeff Sessions' recusal. And so I expect to see more questions about that. Um, Richard Blumenthal has already called for Sessions uh, and Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney mm-hmm. General, to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee to answer some of these questions. So, you know, I, like, if anything, Mueller's investigation just got made more legitimate today. And Kasowitz can say mean things to Jim Comey all he wants. It's not illegal for Comey to have leaked unclassified memos. Leaked. Sorry, I said that again. It's not leaking. It's not... It is not illegal for Comey to share unclassified memos mm-hmm. of his memories. It may be unethical, but maybe not even that. And so they've got nothing, and they're just throwing stuff at the wall. And meanwhile, you know, Robert Mueller is hiring more mob investigators. If, if uh, well, it, it may be, by the way, uh, impossible to call Kasowitz in for questioning because he's Trump's lawyer, but if, he's, if he is making claims... And there are tapes there if there are audio tapes of any of this. I mean, uh, there's no way is there to avoid the release of these tapes, at least to the special counsel, if they actually exist. And if they then serve to uh, to contradict Trump's statements and Kasowitz's statement, seems like they're in a, a lot of trouble for that. If those tapes. Yeah, exist. I mean, I guess the question is how we find find the existence of the tapes, right? I, uh, well, I guess uh, Mueller at this point simply subpoenas any tape. D- is he allowed to right. uh, subpoena the White House for that sort of thing, as far as you know? Yes. He has that power. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. And I know that because we remember the subpoenas from the from the Plame investigation, the CIA leak investigation. Mind you, in that case, there were emails disappearing at Precisely about this time yep. that never got found again. So right. you know they're, they're probably they're probably starting big fires in the in the man sized mm. safe in, in the executive office building, oh, which is man. something Cheney did. Cheney Cheney knew how to get away with stuff. I uh, tell you. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll see what these guys know uh, how to get away with. Um, in the in the firing letter now um, uh, of Comey, Donald Trump had opened it by thanking him, reassuring uh, for reassuring him about three times that he was not personally under investigation. Most people said that was ridiculous. Jim Comey would never give that assurance to anyone. But based on his testimony, that appears to be true. Um, and so I would ask, right. it, was it appropriate for Comey to 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 do that to tell? someone like Trump three different times, essentially, that he was not under investigation by the FBI? Well, so he clarified in his, in, in his testimony today two things. One is that one of his aides, and he, we're talking five people at FBI who were parts of these discussions maybe, one of his aides said, don't do that because the question is, we are investigating the Trump campaign and therefore he is kind of even symbolically a part of that investigation. So mm-hmm. at least one of his aides, you know, said that was a bad idea. But what, what Comey was talking about specifically was 
not a criminal investigation, but a counterintelligence investigation, and the, more a sense of, are you being recruited by Sergei Kislyak? Everyone else is, and that's what, at that point, CIA, uh, sorry, FBI was investigating. Of course, now, again... Although he did describe, uh, I think he was asked about that specifically, and he said, no, it wasn't just counterintelligence, it was a criminal. There was no criminal investigation either of Donald Trump, at least as I recall that hearing, uh, today, his testimony right, today. right. But but what when he made the when he made the assurance to Trump, mm-hmm. uh, he was starting with he was thinking of counterintelligence investigation because it started in the context of the dossier mm-hmm. of the Pgate dossier, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what everyone calls it. But um, uh, and and that was you know they purportedly were briefing that to to Trump to uh, just let him know that the Russians had compromising information on him and. Then by telling him, but don't worry, you're not under counterintelligence investigation, basically they were saying, uh, Russians have compromising information on you, but we don't think they are close enough to you to actually compromise you, unlike, say, your son-in-law or your national security advisor or your campaign manager or the other long list of people. So that's sort of how it started, and then Trump kept asking for renewals of that. And over the course of that time, Certainly, the um, the Mike Flynn investigation changed to to uh, criminal investigation, uh, specifically with regards to whether he lied to the FBI. Uh- even if Trump was then or even is now off the hook, and uh, like you say, Marcy Wheeler, uh, it, it very well may be right now that he is under investigation for obstruction of justice. But uh, but Mike Pence is another matter. Vice President Mike Pence, and this came up uh, during the hearing today, uh, Comey basically said that Pence, in fact, was aware of the problems, the concerns about Mike Flynn uh, very early in the transition, uh, which would suggest that Mike Pence lied when he said, oh, I, I didn't know anything about this until it you know, sort of all came out in the press. Um, do you have any sense is uh, Mike? Pe- do you have any better sense uh, than we did when we spoke a month or so ago uh, about Mike Pence? Is he lying about sort of being kept in the dark? He's been claiming he's been kept in the dark by the Trump administration. Does he know a lot more than he has uh, so far let on? I'll just say it's, it seems like he does, but I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Well, remember that Elijah Cummings gave, uh, sent a letter to Pence because he was the, the mm-hmm. head of the transition saying... Right hey, there are these problems with Mike Flynn. And right. that may be the gist of what Comey is referring to, that that Pence had, uh, and who knows whether Pence was involved in the loop when, when Obama warned Trump not to pick Mike Flynn. But in any case, sure, Pence can't say he didn't know because Cummings sent him a letter. I do think Pence is probably more in the loop than he likes to make out. But I also think it is possible that you know, Jared Kushner and and um, Mike Flynn mm-hmm. were kind of running this foreign plan uh, by themselves and weren't uh, weren't integrating Pence that closely. So, mm. you know, yeah, I think he may not know all of what's going on. I think it, he may not have known by design who Flynn and who Kushner were talking to. Of course, Pence got Pence has closer ties to the neocons in the Republican Party, so you wouldn't tell Pence if you're going to try and remap the the Middle East, you know. But um, 
So I think the answer is probably in the middle ground. Interestingly, I, Pence canceled a scheduled appearance right after that news came out. So obviously he thinks it's a problem. On Wednesday, yeah. Uh, and speaking of all of the president's men here, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, uh, Comey suggested that he, he knew ahead of time that Sessions was going to have to recuse himself from the uh, from the FBI's investigation, but he wouldn't discuss the reasons during today's hearing. He said, basically, we were aware of facts that I can't discuss in an open setting that would make his continuing uh, to oversee the investigation at the time very problematic. Uh, what should we or can we take from that? Do you have any idea what he was referring to there? Well, he emphasized both in his written testimony and in the hearing today uh, he emphasized the Russian aspect more than the election aspect, and technically, who knows how broad the recusal for Sessions is, but technically uh, it should cover both. And since he mentioned the Russian stuff, I, what we know that the government did is um, in December, Obama pushes through a bunch of, of new sanctions, and Putin doesn't respond. And that's when the Obama administration's like, starts going, who? I wonder what's going on. And then they end up coming on, they end up finding these Kislyak conversations with Mike Flynn. Mm -hmm. But given the way the intelligence community works, they then would have read all of the Kislyak intercepts that they had, mm -hmm. and they would have identified the conversations that Sessions also had, or the meetings that probably were discussed in these intercepts. You're saying, uh, there's there, this, you're saying there's likely intercepts that include conversations that Jeff Sessions had with uh, the Russian ambassador? Yes, yes. And so I think at that point they knew that, you know, it's unclear whether they had done the math that, say, Al Franken did as mm -hmm. soon as it became clear that Sessions had these conversations. But, you know, they may have known also that Sessions uh, perjured himself in his confirmation process. But certainly as soon as they saw those intercepts and, and knew that he had not disclosed them as part of his confirmation process, I think that's when the Russia stuff would have become problematic. I've got uh, two... So my guess is that's what it is. I, I, and it I, may be that yeah. those were honest, you know, simple conversations with Kislyak and just that Sessions didn't disclose them makes them a problem, which they are. So. Nothing necessarily nefarious, but because he was involved in some way, he has to remove himself, uh, recuse himself as the overseer of the investigation, essentially. Um, right. Uh, okay, uh, very quickly, I've got uh, just uh, two more questions for you. we got to get out uh, momentarily here. But um, one, do you have confidence in Robert Mueller as special counsel in this case, knowing what you know uh, about Mueller over the years? Do you have uh, confidence that he will do a, a full and fair investigation? Um, my concerns about Mueller, I mean, I, I've raised the fact that he never solved his FBI never solved the anthrax investigation, the anthrax attack, the mm -hmm. 2001 anthrax attack. That's a problem. Um, he also, his FBI never referred corrupt money laundering Donald Trump for prosecution mm -hmm. during a period when we know corrupt Donald Trump was money laundering, you know, Russians were laundering money through his buildings for prosecution. So that that's sort of a bad precedent because you know, Ben Mueller's responsible for, for getting us here. It, Comey is fused about the man today. He just had not, you know, he had wonderful things to say about him, and, and a lot of people do, and he's going to reassure FBI, and, and that's all very good. My, my one other concern, too, is that there are questions about the scope of Sessions' recusal 
those questions, I think, then raise questions about the scope of Mueller's mandate. And there are aspects of the investigation that don't fall within the described scope of Mueller's investigation. So, for mm. example, um, they're investigating Guccifer, uh reportedly out in San Francisco. That's not part of the stuff that Mueller is looking at right now. And if that ends up being a string that will be productive, uh, could Trump start firing people there as a way to shut down that part of the investigation and protect his people? You know, that's the kind of concern I have. Um, you know, he, he has a lot of respect. He knows how to do these big investigations. He's bringing in real people. He's bringing in really interesting people. Like I said, mob investigators. So that's good, but uh, but we'll see. And last question, uh, knowing what you know, knowing what uh, we all know, I, I guess, at this point, um, does what Trump did uh, with Comey in those uh, several meetings and those several phone calls, as you see it, does that amount to obstruction of justice? Uh, and if, if you can't charge a president criminally, is it at least obstruction of justice of the type that uh, that you believe would uh, uh, make for an appropriate article of impeachment at this point, Marcy Wheeler? You have to add in the Comey firing, mm -hmm. uh, and that is something the Mueller is doing. And I think you would add in the why. Uh, if it turns out that he fired Comey, who was investigating Flynn, because Flynn can get to Kushner, then I think, yeah, you're, you're definitely at obstruction of justice. Um, it's you know, it's hard. Like we saw with the Valerie Plain case, as soon as as soon as Libby got convicted, um, the commutation started flying, and then you couldn't move further on, right? So if Flynn were found guilty tomorrow, then he would be pardoned soon enough, such that he couldn't implicate Kushner. But that doesn't and that's, that doesn't keep him safe from impeachment. No, it doesn't. And and you know, there I think the question is what the Republicans in Congress think about their base. <laughs> it's a political issue. Yeah. It, well, it's not a legal issue. And, you know, the Republicans aren't going to move when their base moves. Should, should Democrats, never mind what the Republicans do, should Democrats right now be calling for impeachment, be promising impeachment in advance of the 2018 election? Give us the, give us the majority and we will bring articles of impeachment against the President of the United States. Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Nancy Pelosi's not going to let us do it, but yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. All right. Well, why not? The the pushback, maybe, but uh, that's a political discussion for another day. Marcy Wheeler, uh, the founder and uh, genius analytical uh, uh, mind behind EmptyWheel.net. Check out her work over there. And, of course, every day and every minute and every hour on the Twitters <laughs> at EmptyWheelOn. Twitter. Thanks, Marcy. Always great talking to you. I suspect we'll be doing it again soon. Take care, Brad. Thanks bet. so much. You bet. Okay, well, speaking of uh, elections with surprise endings, my iPhone has been going off like crazy here for the last few minutes while I've been talking to Marcy. Uh, we're getting the first word, the first exit poll results in from Great Britain. They're having their election today. And yes, the results are surprising. That news after this break, after I figure it out. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. 
We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. London is calling. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As mentioned, uh, while I was speaking with Marcy Wheeler there, uh, some amazing news seemingly... Apparently, probably, I guess, coming in from the UK. Des, do you have that audio from the uh, from CNN just moments moments ago? Yep. Let's and, take a look at the exit poll here. Um, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Now that is that is um, that is shocking. There's no other word. <laughs> that is shocking. that is not the expectation yes. at all. Yes, uh, apparently shocking indeed. This uh, just going to read from AP as this is just breaking. An exit poll suggested Thursday that British Prime Minister Theresa May's gamble in calling an early election has backfired spectacularly. Wow. wow. With her Conservative Party in danger of losing its majority in Parliament. An opposition Labour Party that had been written off by many pollsters surged in the final weeks of a campaign that was marred by deadly attacks in Manchester and London. If accurate, the result will confound those who said Labour's left-wing leader, Jeremy Corbyn, was electorally toxic. My goodness. Sound familiar? Jeremy Corbyn, and he is uh, often referred to as uh, the, the Britain's... Bernie Sanders. And of course, he has been written off as electorally toxic, like Bernie Sanders. The uh, this exit poll. Now, mind you, this is just the exit polls. Uh, They predicted that the conservatives will get 314 seats. Labor will get 266 seats. But uh, but the conservatives would need uh, 326 seats in order to uh, to form a majority government. So if, she's going to lose the majority potentially. Yeah. Wow. If this exit if these exit polls hold up, uh, AP says based on interviews with voters leaving polling stations across the country, uh, this poll is conducted for a consortium of UK broadcasters and is regarded as reliable. Exit polls elsewhere, you know, (laughs) are regarded as reliable. They add, though not exact, um, it's an indicator of the likely result. If confirmed, the result will be humiliating for Prime Minister May, who had called a snap election in the hopes of increasing her majority and strengthening Britain's hand during Brexit talks with the European Union. If, in fact, she has failed, AP says, she could face pressure to resign. Former Treasury Chief uh, George Osborne is uh, quoted uh, telling ITV that if the poll is anything like accurate, this is completely catastrophic 
for the Conservatives and for Theresa May. Wow, destabilization for everybody. Yeah, apparently so. It really, a caution, however, is warranted here. I should note there was an election several years ago uh, where the exit polls had predicted that then Prime Minister uh, David David Cameron and, and the Conservative Party, that they would not get a majority. But once the votes were actually counted, they did get oh, that okay. majority after all. So we'll see if this holds up. I will add also... That the polls, uh, the ballots, the paper ballots in Great Britain are hand counted by actual human beings. What? I, know. I thought that was impossible. North, Northern Ireland uh, Secretary James Brokenshire says it's still very, very early in the evening. It's too early in the night to be drawing conclusions. That didn't stop CNN or AP or Reuters here. Uh, results will come in overnight for all 650 seats in the House of Commons. Um when May had called this election seven weeks ago, she was seeking to capitalize on opinion polls showing that her conservatives had a wide lead over labor at the time. She became prime minister uh, after uh, Cameron had resigned following the uh, following the referendum vote for Brexit. They, they I don't know. They guess they never learned. They keep calling these votes thinking it's going to come out one way and then it turns out another Yes, elections uh, Elections can be surprising. Elections have consequences. <laughs> Turns out. AP uh, describes Corbyn as an old-school left-winger, widely written off at the start of the campaign. He has drawn thousands of people to upbeat rallies and energized young voters with his plans to boost spending on health and education after years of conservative austerity. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. Corbyn told supporters at his final rally that Labor's campaign had, quote, changed the debate and given people hope, hope that it doesn't have to be like this, that inequality can be tackled, that austerity can be ended, that you can stand up to the elites and the cynics. This is the new center ground, says Corbyn. If the exit polls hold. If the exit polls hold. Now, uh, in the meantime, he can, if in fact they do hold, uh, even though the Labor uh, Party will have fewer seats than the conservatives, they can still try to form a government. Corbyn could end up as the prime minister here after all if he's able to form a government with some of the smaller parties which had strongly opposed most of May's policies on domestic issues like public spending cuts and so forth. Reuters reports that if Corbyn's Labor does take power, with the backing of the Scottish Nationalists and the, Liber uh, the Liberal Democrats, uh, they were both uh, greatly opposed to Brexit, then this raises the possibility of a second referendum on Brexit wow. in the future. Uh, indeed, Very turbulent. Yes, incredible. So we'll see if that holds up. All right, I got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen. I know you've had a long day following those hearings. Thank you very much for that. My thanks also to Marcy Wheeler of EmptyWheel.net and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is, as always, greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.